Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. Um, so this summer, Richard and I have been preaching through a series on destinations uh, because in summertime, a lot of us like to get away, a little change, change of scenery. And so we've gone through, or we, we've taken a pause in our trek through Luke, and we've gone um, on trips to roads and mountains, a farm. And last week and this week, we're at the sea. The sea. I think the mic's still. Um, at the sea. And so if you would please turn with me to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, or follow along in your bulletin. We're going to read it in just a minute. You know, I think uh, most everybody here, when you hear the name Jonah, you think of a big fish swallowing this prophet. And to be sure, that happens, right? That's a main part of this story. But it's not the main theme of what's going on in the story. So that's what we're going to take a look at today. Jonah, he was a prophet, and a prophet is someone who was called by God to to hear from God and then to speak his word to the people that God told him to speak to. And and in one time in Jonah's ministry, if you're reading in 2 Kings 14, Jonah was an obedient prophet at one point. He, He went and he spoke the word of the Lord during the reign of Jeroboam II, who was an evil king. And God had given him a word saying that I'm going to expand the borders of Israel. And he did it. And I think what we got to see here is Jonah did what he was called to do when it was going to benefit the people of God, when it was going to benefit him. We're going to see today in our passage that Jonah was given a very different mission in Jonah chapter 1. And he's a disobedient prophet in this passage. You know, Jonah, the book of Jonah as a whole is is unique because it doesn't give us all these oracles that the prophet is speaking. It tells us a story about a prophet and it tells us a story about God. This would have been a slap in the face for any Israelite to read these pages and to see the disobedience of their prophet contrasted with the obedience of the nations, the sailors and the Ninevites. This would have been a slap in the face. Israel and Judah, the people of God, they had prophet after prophet sent to them, and yet they were slow to repent, if there was any repentance. But here Jonah, he's sent to the Ninevites, and there's a quick response of repentance. Jonah's Hebrew pride led him to have a narrow view of God's saving purposes for the world. So that's what we're going to see. Let's read Jonah chapter 1. We're going to read the whole thing. But this is God's Word. It's the most important word we'll hear today. So let's read it. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, Go to Nineveh, that that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. 
So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and he had lain down and he was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a, give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? And what is your country? And what pe- what people, of what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we need your help this morning. We need your help to understand your word. We need your help to understand our hearts. We need your help to see Jesus. May we see him this morning through the preaching of your word. Make it effectual in our hearts. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we see Jonah runs from the sovereign king that seeks to save the lost. Jonah is running from God. We're going to see that in three points this morning. We're going to see the disobedient prophet, Jonah. We're going to see the sovereign Lord. And we're going to see the faithful Savior. And so the disobedient prophet. We see in verse 1 that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. You know, we've already established the fact that he's a prophet of God. He's already been sent on a prophetic mission and he carried it out at one point. And here, he's hearing the word of the Lord. It's coming to him. The Lord is telling him, Jonah, 
Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come before me. And this would have been a, this was a great shock to Jonah, that God would say, go to Nineveh, that bloody city, the capital of the evil Assyrian Empire. These were enemies of God. These were enemies of his people. Polytheistic pagans worshiping any God that they could grab a hold to, but the one true God, they would not. They were known for their military tactics, their cruelty. You know, if you, if you go back and, and read writings from their times and, and see the art, the things that were depicted in those days, these people, they would, they would impale people. They would chop off their heads. They would skin them and drape their skins over their walls. I mean, he, did, he didn't say Jonah go to seaside, though seaside needs a Jonah, no doubt. He said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. So he's given this charge. What is the response? The Lord tells him to go. And Jonah, not with his words, but with his actions, and we need to keep in mind, we can say things with our mouths, but our actions betray our mouths many times. Jonah, with his life, says no. No. He arises and he flees to Tarshish. By way of Joppa. And this, this is about, you know, this is as far as from the east is from the west. This is the opposite direction that Jonah takes off in. He, he's heading the opposite way. It says he goes down, and directions are important. I mean, literally, you have it going down, but also uh, we see this um, when, when people are walking in sin. I've shared this in the Sunday school class. We often see, you know, they head out for the east or they go down and they continue to go down into the city. And so you, you see the spiral into sin. He goes down into Joppa and found a ship that was going to Tarshish and he paid the fare and he got on away from the presence of the Lord. And then in verse five, it says that Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and he laid down and was fast asleep. So I wanted to pause here and think for a bit. Can you flee the presence of the Lord? Can you flee from the presence of the Lord? Go to your room, lock your door, go in your closet. Are you away from his presence ever? No. Surely, Jonah, Jonah knows this. He knows Psalm 139 where it says, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I go down to Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall hold me. You cannot run from the presence of God. It's like trying to outshoot curry. Out hit Otani, out coach Saban, out recruit LSU baseball. You know, it's not going to happen. And those things, in jest, I say those things, but you can't outrun the presence of the Lord. Jonah could not do it. Another thing we need to take note of is sin. Jonah's sin of running, it affects him and it affects those around him. And we need to know that our sin not only affects us, but those around us. See, Jonah flees from the command of the Lord. 
And the Lord hurls a great wind upon the sea. And so everyone on that sea was affected by Jonah's sin. And we need to remember that even as believers in Christ, whose sin is covered by the blood of the Lord, our sin will bring the the fatherly displeasure and discipline of the Lord. We see that in Hebrews chapter 12. Don't think for a moment that your sin only affects you. Who am I hurting, you think, to yourself? So Jonah flees. God sends a storm. Another thing that we see in Jonah that we need to take note of. He goes down into the bottom of the boat and then he goes to sleep. Don't confuse peace of mind, peace in your spirit. Well, I'm not really bothered by this or that. Don't confuse that with being right with God. Jonah had set his heart to sin and to run away from the Lord and it seems to have dulled his conscience. You know, he's walking headlong in rebellion and he's here asleep in the bottom of a boat, sleeping like a baby. You know, sometimes we know that we're walking in sin because, but because we're not troubled by it, we don't think it's all that bad. Our conscience, our conscience is not foolproof. Our conscience needs to be recalibrated by the word of God. We need our conscience renewed and recalibrated. Jonah here, he seems to have a dull conscience because he's walking headlong into sin. Israel, as a nation, they had made this mistake time and time again, but especially during the ministry of Jonah. In the 8th century B.C., like I said, they were, they were, they were, Israel, the northern kingdom, was led by Jeroboam II. And every king in the northern kingdom was evil. If you just go read through Kings, I mean, it, it's in uh, Chronicles, and you go see that, that these kings did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. But yet there were times of blessing on the land. This, like I said, this was at a time where Israel, their borders were expanding. They, they had some material prosperity. And another thing, don't, don't confuse material prosperity with God's favor or blessing. You know, Jonah had the money to pay the fare for the boat. So he could go, well, I got the money. I mean, it's, I guess it's okay for me to do it. Here's the ship. It's headed somewhere else. It's okay for me to do this. David Strain rocked my world when I was looking through this passage and this quote he, he has here. He says, when you set your heart on sin very often you find precisely the means to carry out your disobedience. There's more money in the account. The A student has their paper uncovered with an easy shot to cheat. There's a way to watch whatever it is that you want to watch without anyone or any person, though God knows all things. There's a way to watch it without any person knowing. He says, beware of saying no to God and yes to sin. That's what Jonah was doing here. And so the only thing that we can do in this moment is cry out, God, help us. Help us. We've all been there. We may be there right now. Jonah is foolishly running from the presence of God by rejecting his command. And now we're going to look at the God that he is running from. The sovereign Lord. 
The sovereign Lord, the Lord, as we see in the passage, he is sovereign. That just means king over all. He is the ruler of the individual. We see that he's sovereign over the individual. His word comes to Jonah and he tells him what to go do. The Lord deals with every person on an individual basis. I know, I mean, we... In the Presbyterian world, we, I'm teaching on covenant theology. We love covenant theology. We say our kids are a part of the covenant community. Um, at the same time, children, your mother's faith, your father's faith will not be what saves you. You must put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He deals with us on an individual basis. We know in Scripture it says every man is appointed to die once and after that the judgment. We see that in Hebrews We see elsewhere, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. The Lord knows every thought that you and I have ever had. He knows every word that we've ever spoken and will say, every word that we will speak. And he knows every deed that we've committed individually. Another thing to remember in that. So he is sovereign over the individual and we owe him Individually, we owe him obedience. But another thing, I want that, that, that's heavy stuff, but to encourage you, when you pray and when you are struggling and when you are suffering, the Lord is with you. Sometimes we think of him being out there doing, you know, he's doing some big thing, which he is somewhere doing something else. He's in all places at all times and that blows our mind. But he is with you, individually, near to you. Meet with him. He's sovereign over the individual. He's sovereign over the nations. In verse 2, we see that he's sovereign over the nations. Nineveh's evil deeds had come up to him, it says. They'd come up before the Lord. Every nation is accountable to God via the covenant of works and in every person's connection to Adam as a federal head. The nations are accountable to God. He sees their wickedness. He sees their deeds. <clears throat> we, all, or we see all throughout the scriptures that the Lord brings judgment upon the wicked nations. He brings judgment upon Israel. And that all men are accountable to God for His power and His eternal nature have been on display since the beginning. He's sovereign over creation. We see in chapter 1, verse 4, in response to Jonah's sin, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. In verse 7, we we see when the sailors, when they're casting lots, and this was a way that in the Old Testament, it seems that lot casting was a common theme. And in Proverbs, we know that the lot is cast into the lap, but the decision is of the Lord. We see this as a way to determine things in the Old Testament days. He's Lord over the lots. There is no chance. Um, We we see that in verse 7. We see in verse 17, the Lord appoints a great fish to swallow Jonah. He appoints a great fish to swallow Jonah. In chapter 2, verse 10, the Lord speaks to the fish and it vomits Jonah out on the dry land. In Jonah chapter 4, during Jonah's pouting session, he's mad that God has saved these wicked Ninevites. The Lord appoints a plant. That is such a sweet picture. 
sad too. He points a plant to cover Jonah's head while the sun, you know, is beating down on him. And then Jonah keeps pouting and he appoints a worm to eat the plant and then a wind to, to, to come through. And so the point here, we need to see God is sovereign over creation. And we know, as Jesus said, a sparrow cannot fall to the sky. The most, you would think the most mundane thing or the most, it's, not, it's trivial in our minds. A sparrow cannot fall to the sky apart from your heavenly Father's will. A hair cannot fall from your head apart from the heavenly, your heavenly Father's will. As I found out last night, a, a Nintendo remote cannot fly to your son's hand and shatter your TV apart from your heavenly Father's will. That was a tough one, but it was like, I was in the text, it happened, and I'm like, well, I can believe it or not. And here, look, some of you are going through some very, very hard things, and you have gone through hard things in your lifetime. And you hear something like that, and, and it, it makes you mad. But I want it to comfort you that nothing catches our God off guard. Nothing can happen to you apart from his, his good care for you. We may not know all the answers now, but we know he's good, and we know that he's sovereign, and we can trust him. And one day... What we will see, those who believe in Christ, what we will see will make it all just vanish. <clears throat> He's sovereign over salvation. Jo uh, Jonah 2.8 says salvation is of the Lord. That's kind of the main text of the whole book, I believe. Salvation is of the Lord. The Lord is sovereign over salvation, the salvation of souls. And this is an area where Presbyterians, we get some pushback from other uh, Christians, other brothers and sisters. And I get it, it's hard, it's hard to wrap our heads around, but I think for what, what's best for us to do is to not look at this from a viewpoint of who's passed over, but look at this from the fact that anyone is saved at all. Where do we see it in Jonah 1? Well, first we see Jonah is commanded to go to the Ninevites and call out against them. them. And we don't really get Jonah's reasoning for not going in chapter 1. It just says that he doesn't go. But think about this. If the message was just to go and call out against the Ninevites, to go tell them how bad they are, Jonah would have gone up and done it and been a national hero. Why doesn't he want to go? We find out in chapter 4 of verse 2. And just think of Jonah in this moment. He preaches to the Ninevites. They repent and believe. And he says, Lord, this is why I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. That's why I didn't want to go. I didn't want you to show them mercy. I didn't want you to relent from destroying them. You know, these, these Assyrians later on in, in the history of Israel, they would come in and take them captive and exile them. But... Here we see that at the preaching of Jonah, a group of them repent for a time. Who knows how many of those became believers. But the Lord saves the Ninevites. He didn't want to go because he didn't want God to show them mercy and grace. He didn't understand that God's plan was for the nations as well. But it's not only the Ninevites that God is saving in this story. He saves Jonah, in a sense. Jonah, jumped, Jonah gets thrown into the water. He wants to die. And what does God do? God sent a fish. 
where he could live. So he saves, he saves Jonah, and then he saves, I believe he saves these sailors in chapter 1. <clears throat> While Jonah was asleep in the bottom of the boat, and the waves are crashing around the boat, the mariners, those sailors, they're crying out to their false gods. They're crying out to their false gods to no avail, and then they wake Jonah up, and they tell him to cry out to his God. They ask him where he's from and, and who he is. And he says, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, which doesn't really appear that he was in this moment. But he says, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And these men were blown away. These mariners, these, these pagans, they were blown away that Jonah, he worships the God who created everything. He fears him and here he is disobeying him. They're terrified. Terrified, blown away. So they ask, what could be done? And he says, throw me into the sea. And then they, these sailors, they had more regard for Jonah's life than he did for his own. They had more regard for Jonah's life than he did theirs because it says they tried their best to row back to the shore and not throw him in. But they realized that that wasn't going to work that they have no hope. The sea is getting, uh, it, the waves are crashing in. The boat's about to break in half. And so they cry out to the Lord, to Yahweh, and they say, please forgive us. May we be innocent of this man's blood. And then they throw him in and the sea, the, the storms cease. It's an astonishing conversion. We see these former pagans, these idol worshipers, calling out on the name of the one true God in verse 16. It says, Then the men, they feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And so in Jonah, all throughout Jonah, we're seeing that the Lord has a plan for the salvation of the nations. The promise to Abraham back in Genesis 12, one of the promises there was that he would be a blessing to the nations. And then Paul picks up on that in Galatians and says that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that promise and all the nations are blessed in him. And so we see that the, the, this, these promises find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ, the faithful Savior. And this is where we'll close we learn from the story of Jonah that Jonah is the anti-hero. Um, and, and one time, I have a son named Jonah. Um, one, one time a, a man asked me, he said, why on earth would you name your son Jonah? He was so disobedient. And I thought, for one, he could remember that he too is disobedient and he needs Jesus. Um, but this story of Jonah points to the gospel. Um, the, the, you know, the Lord, y'all, some of you know my story, the Lord used my name to draw me to himself. And so I thought at the very least, the Lord could use his name to draw him unto himself. That's why we did it. But Jonah's the anti-hero. He's not, he, he's not a great guy. I mean, think of the prophet Elijah. We heard about him a few weeks ago. Think of him. He wept when there wasn't a greater response to what God did on Mount Carmel. He wept for the people that there wasn't more of a response. You think of Jesus, 
who stands and he looks out at Jerusalem and he holds his hands out and he weeps over Jerusalem. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that stones the prophets. How I would have gathered you in like a mother hen gathers in her brood, but you were not willing. You have these prophets who are weeping for the people. Jonah wept that God saved people. He's mad about that. And let's all be honest here, in here, we all have a little Jonah inside of us. We can all let national pride, delta pride, socioeconomic pride, racial pride, school pride, you name it, political pride. We can let other things, many other things, be the driving force in our lives while we say the things that we do and while we do the things that we do and while we love the specific people that we love, we can let other things be the driving force and miss what God has commanded us to do to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that Christ has commanded. We've got to think and ask ourselves this, Just ask yourself this, think about it. Are we so focused on ourselves, our particular group, our people, that we miss opportunities to take the gospel to others when we leave this room? Sunday is the gathered worship of believers. We are here to build one another up up in Christ and to worship the Lord. But when when we go out, we are salt and light in this earth and we share the gospel. We love our neighbor as ourselves. So think about this. Who has God? He's not. He, I, he may be calling you to go to Nineveh or some other place. But think about this at the very basic level. Who has God brought into your life? Into your towns, our towns. Into our spheres. Who has he brought near to you that they may hear the gospel? Remember the Pharisees, they had a real problem with the inclusion of the Gentiles into the people of God. And when they heard that this so-called prophet Jesus from Galilee was around preaching and healing and doing things, you know what they said in John chapter 7? They said, see to it that no prophet has ever come from Galilee. They were trying to discredit Jesus and his prophetic ministry. No prophet has ever come from Galilee. That's what they said. They should have studied a bit more. Jonah was from Gath Hefer in Galilee. When the Pharisees kept pressing Jesus to perform another sign and prove that he was the Messiah, you know what he said? We read it this morning. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. No sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented, the Ninevites repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, Something greater than Jonah is here. Indeed, something or someone 
greater than Jonah was here. Jonah balked at the command of God and he fled from the mission. Jesus Christ willingly came forth from heaven and took on flesh to obediently fulfill his commission. Jonah's sin caused the violent storm on the sea. And the only way of escape was for those men to throw his body into the sea. And Jesus comes here to earth as the spotless lamb. No words of deceit on his lips. No evil deeds that he ever committed. He always did what was right. No sin charged against him. Yet the whirlwind of God's wrath is stirred up because of our sin. And the only way for that wrath to be taken care of and for that wrath to cease was for Jesus to be hurled up on a cross. Nailed to it. And our sin, Jonah's sin, charged to his account. Jesus became a curse for us so that we could be welcomed in. He took God's wrath in our place. He gives up his life on the the tree, on the cross, and then his body goes into the grave. And on the third day, he rose from the dead and he calls all men and all women and all children everywhere to repent and believe in him to rest and receive Christ Jesus. And the Father, if you go read Isaiah chapter 42, hundreds of years before Jesus came to this earth in the flesh, the Father says of the Son in Isaiah 42, to the Son, He says, I give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. He's saying, Jesus, you're going to come and you're going to be a light to the nations. You're going to, you're going to set the captives free. And those of us who have trusted in Christ, he has set us free. He says this in Isaiah 42. He says this to us. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth, You who go down to the sea and all that fills it, the coastlands and their inhabitants, let us all sing for joy. And so we can do that now. We can sing for joy. We can sing a new song because we went to the sea. We fled away from God and yet he has brought us back in Christ Jesus and put a new song in our mouths. Let's pray. Um, Lord, thank you again for your word. Thank you for, um, for putting a new song in our lips. We would never sing these songs of praise um, if, we were, if we were in darkness and still walking in our sin, Lord. Um, but you have put a new song in our hearts, and so we thank you for that. Please help us to glorify you in all things. In Christ's name, amen. Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org.
God bless.